Welcome to the Gateworld Podcast. What's going on? What's up, Virgin? Welcome to Podcast 135. My name is David. My name's Diana. And this is the show where a couple of nerds talk about Stargate. Good to have you back, Diana. Thank you, David. It's good to be back. How are you? I am well. How are you? I am good. A uh, little ready for winter and glaciers and icebergs again. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's 110 in Missouri, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. It's not too bad today. It's 95, but uh, it's been around 110 degrees, but nothing like where you've got it, where it's just so high humid. Well, and the other problem is, is that this is where all the farming is. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's really dying. hitting everybody pretty hard. Yeah. Like, like we really need it this year, you know? Right. So this week is kind of a free for all. We have several topics to discuss, uh, some voicemails to go through um, that we've called from the uh, from the voicemail bag, and we're going to be getting to those momentarily. A few of the things that we're going to be talking about: um, Comic Con 2012, uh, Diana's web series epilogue. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Dark Knight Rises, and if you've been anywhere near the news, you've seen the news on that. We're going to be discussing that. Um, and a few points we're going to draw from the mailbag. And by the end of the episode, I know it's a, a, a kind of overdue, um, but uh, we promised that we would be talking about uh, how we felt about Prometheus. And the last podcast, Diana had not seen it yet. So at the end of this episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled um, discussion of Prometheus. We'll let you know before it starts so that you can turn off the show uh, if you have yet to see it. Yes, but first off, let's talk about this new fun stargate game for iphones and yes iPhones. yes it's so fun. i downloaded it and yeah. man i wish i had an ipad it is fun to do on the ipad um as far i mean there's only really one component so far other than a little bit of a walk around and that is the windows of opportunity homage yeah to, the golf uh, game the golf game and that's fun there isn't Anything more now, except unless you want to pay more to go behind the door and see the artwork and see Daniel tell you a couple of things. Um, but my expectations are high. My hopes are high, I should say, that we'll see more later. I mean, it's, really, it, yeah. needs to be, it needs to be an online MMO. Yeah. I don't know. It's a nice place to start. You know, yes. I mean, if this is a, a version 1.0 of a Stargate app, I think it's a nice place to start, you know. It's you've got the gate room, you've got the control room and uh, the the briefing room in Hammond's office, really, in that back door to some Stargate art. I don't know how official that is, you know, to some upcoming stuff. It looks intriguing. Um, well, let's talk, David, can we talk about that for a minute? Because obviously there must be something official to it because the music is official. They, they had to have. Had yeah, it's an MG, yeah, MGM definitely put it out. Right. So what happens is, is spoiler alert, you know, skip forward a couple of minutes if you don't want to hear this part. But basically what happens is, is that if you uh, pay the 99 cents to go behind the uh, one of the doors, you have Daniel there with uh, a book of artwork and there is more art on the walls, including uh, images of aliens that we've never seen on the show mm-hmm. on any of the franchises and uh, Daniel telling you that this is the future of Stargate and you're like, say what? Yeah, most of the artwork is pretty, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Pretty Vague. abstract. Yeah. 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 It's like, okay, where are we uh, Where are we going with this? You know, or Does this even mean anything? So if there is if there is something that's going to be happening with this, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 
some kind of a motion comic or something like that, you know. Um, I'm not sure what MGM really has planned for Stargate, so it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, they're really intent on moving forward with something. Well, so. and then to add to all this, you've got Dean Devlin, of course, making noise again with mm-hmm. uh, Star- another Stargate movie and Independence Day, and I mean... Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I'm sure another Independence Day movie could get made if the script was there. Stargate, you know, I just, I don't buy it. I don't buy anybody willing to fund it at this point. Not with him, at least. He has a very different vision from really what the yeah. title has come to mean. Um, I got, it was interesting because uh, one of the fans of the, the franchise and of Gate World had tweeted me asking me if I would watch a new Stargate movie if it was Dean Devlin. And my attitude was if it has the same sense of wonder and the esprit de corps Absolutely. That, the original, that the franchise had, sure. But, I mean, I really don't think that that's Devlin's thing. Did you see any of the Comic-Con coverage? No, but I, um, I've, I've heard a lot. I mean, I, I saw a little bit, but it was, believe it or not, I kind of didn't focus on science fiction in my stalking this time. It was more comedy-type stuff. Really? Uh, but you went, so... I did. Share away. I mo- I mainly went to work. I didn't um, attend any panels because I I wasn't in the mood to stand in long lines this year. I just said screw it. Um, I know the the folks that I went with they attended about one panel every day, and the the shortest line they stood in was two hours, and that was just to go see MythBusters at the end of the day on I think Saturday. So I just wasn't in the mood to do that this year. You know one of the, one of the problems of of being a uh, a journalist for uh, a reasonably high-profile television series on a reasonably high-profile website is that you get backstage access to wherever you go. And if I don't get backstage access, I'm really not that interested beyond the reasons that I'm going there to work. So I mainly stayed on the floor around the Fox booth and did the uh, interviews that I did with uh, the fans. And that was pretty much it. You know, I was more than happy to go up to the mezzanine level and watch season four of Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> um, but the there, there are some really, really cool booths this year. Um, man, my, my wallet was just wanting to come out of my pocket and spend so much money. I did, I did go away with one, with one thing, uh, EFX, uh, they, they do a lot of the, um, replica Star Wars stuff. And I did go out the door with a replica Stormtrooper helmet from episode four of Star Wars. So that's, that's sitting in my living room now and that's really cool. But they had, um, uh, I think it was Quantum Mechanics who's, who's coming out with, uh, uh, a scale replica of the Enterprise D, which was gorgeous. I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous. But I think they're saying that that's going to be around, around four or five grand. But uh, they're also they're all they also came out with a replica of the USS Kelvin from the new Star Trek film, and that's just gorgeous as well. So I don't know, man. There's a lot of neat stuff coming out in terms of replicas that I've got my eyes on. Yeah, I'll just have yeah. to see. Oh, the Flora Comic Con is a lot of fun. No question about. Oh yeah. It. Um, but, you know, I mean, having started to go to those these things like five years ago with my first Comic-Con, and uh, at the most you waited two hours to get into a panel. You know, it mm-hmm. was not unreasonable to get into a panel and to get a decent seat, even in Ballroom 20. I never touched mm-hmm. Hall H, no thank you. But I've never uh, been into Hall H either. I've never seen yeah, it. But it has gotten outrageously crowded, and... Um, I think there's been a lost perspective, this horrible uh, accident that happened with... The Twilight the- fan that died on Thursday. Yes. and I mean, jaywalking. I, yeah, exactly. Totally jaywalking. You cannot blame the police. I mean, I was always 
super impressed with the San Diego police, how they tried to manage the crowds, because you're talking about 5,000 people trying to cross the street at any given time, mm-hmm. and it's a major throughway going through there, and um, I, they were always polite, they never lost their cool, nope. and I feel horrible for the family of this woman who died, and I feel terrible that she has passed away, but uh, it was jaywalking. And you can't do it there. You are literally being pressed at all times, and, and, and people are distracted, and they're not paying mm-hmm. attention. They're all Penny. looking at the shiny. So you really just got to follow by the rules. And quite frankly, I mean, as far as the panels are concerned, they're now all up on the independent networks. You know, each network's got yeah. the panels all up online. their shows. And YouTube's got snippets as well. Um, and you can enjoy them with front row seats and good sound, and it's not an issue to watch, and they're a lot of fun. And there was a yeah. lot of great behind-the-scenes interviews, too. G4 did some great yeah, stuff. Yeah, they did a TV lot of good line, stuff. Entertainment Weekly did some, too. Yep, yep. So um, the, the only one that I really wanted to see was Dexter, and I, got to, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch this one online. And I saw the first two minutes of Season 6, and man, they did not disappoint. Or Season yes. 7, I should say. Season 7, yes. And we will talk about Dexter. And oh, man. Point, but not today. But, yeah. uh, I mean, what I thought was interesting was some of the scheduling of the panels. And some of that, I think, is done for promotional reasons. For instance, I mean, the one panel I would have died to have gone to was the 10th year Firefly reunion. Yeah. My God. You know, and interestingly enough, right before it, they had the Community panel. Mm-hmm. And uh, Community is a show that the critics are all loving. It won the New York Critics Award. It won the Critics Award. Uh, fans love it, but yet the Emmys just, I don't know, they don't, just don't get it. And talk about a meta show. If you're a science fiction fan and you're not watching Community, you are hiding under a rock. Because, trust me, whereas Big Bang Theory, which is wonderful, is predominantly for people who adore geeks and nerds i've never gotten into it community is is for geeks and nerds it is so mm-hmm. meta mm-hmm. i mean you have uh, constantly have uh science fiction references film references television yeah. references the characters are incredibly smart and witty uh and uh they get in outrageous situations yeah. but very honest emotionally and that was put right before firefly and it was a good pairing because really those two shows had that same sort of heart to them. So I was fascinated. I don't know who went through and made the, the schedule up for that, but you know what ended up being is a case of people waiting on, the community fanatics waited online forever, and so did the Firefly fanatics. Mm-hmm. There were people from both fandoms waiting 36 hours before the panel. Yeah. Yeah. Community is definitely one of those that I that I want to have a look at. Big Big Bang Theory. I've I've tried to get into it off and on. I've seen an episode here and there. I I just don't like it. It's it's so damn cliché. Yep. But you you've talked to me a lot about about um Community and I'm I'm very interested in seeing that at some point here. I'm finishing the Terminator uh TV series right now, but after that I think I'm going to check that out. So. Well, the reason why I started watching Community and I do recommend listening to these podcasts uh by it's called the Nerdist Writers Panel Podcast, and they bring on four top TV writers per week that, uh, in these panels that they talk about writing and how they broke in and the process of writing for television, and they've had a lot of the science fiction writers on from, from anything from Star Trek to Battlestar Galactica. They haven't had, obviously, they haven't had Stargate on, which is unfortunate, but mm-hmm. you name it, they've had it on there, and... Uh, Jana Spenson, and they've had a lot of people, mm-hmm. and they, they will ask them at one point every week, they say, you know, what are you watching now? Mm-hmm. And the most dramatic shows 
which are my favorite shows to usually watch, all say community. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, you know, I better check that out. And I did, and I recommend it. I, I really, really okay. recommend the show. Okay. Really do. So Comic-Con, comparing this year's Comic-Con to last year. Up I wasn't there last year, but oh. I was there the year before, and it was definitely, in terms of crowd, I would say it was it was much more manageable. What they have done is they have interspur that they have they have moved things around in such a way so that the artists and the and the comic books are not at one end of the building anymore it's all equalized throughout the convention hall which has evened out a lot of the traffic what one of the things that yeah one of the things that i did was i spent a lot of time in artists alley which was just across from where all the gaming used to be some of the gaming is over there still but not as much as it was and man the one of the things that i just i mean i had to f- keep fighting myself to to keep from walking out with is so much art <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that was always my secret with Comic-Con. If I really wanted to geek out, I would head down to that side of the giant hall, exhibit hall, because it was not as crushed. And therefore, you really had time to appreciate the art. I mean, the comic book designs and the the T-shirts and just the the sculptures and the jewelry. And it's just unbelievable, the talent that exists, really. Yeah, I I think it was... uh my experience there this year was much better than a couple of years ago. And, you know, if, if I'm lucky enough to get work with Fox again, I'll be going back next year. So we'll see what happens. But epilogue. Yes. Um, episodes three and four premiered yesterday. Any reactions? Any, uh, any? Oh yeah. Great reactions. Um, it's been, uh, we're already getting a lot of people who are saying they love these two episodes even more than the first two. I would have to agree with that. And, uh, well, I mean, you know, that's a series. The series hopefully gets better and better and better as you go along. Yeah. Um, uh, certainly our visual effects artist, Matt Latham, for instance, I mean, he's really honing his craft. Uh, he's, he's also one of our writer-producers and um, our website guy. So Matt is, I mean, Matt is a little magic man. I'm mm. convinced. I mean, you should check out some of his work, mlathram.com. He is so talented. Um, but the composing, the music, some of the tricks that we figured out in post-production to help save a scene as far as uh, ADR lines. But, um, you know, and also it's just important is now the setup has happened. Now we're into complication. That's the middle mm-hmm. of the story is about complication. And uh, we deliberately put in quite a few twists and turns, and I think people will be surprised by what they see. I mean, the whole purpose of epilogue really was to take the whole thing about time travel and paradoxes and make a paradox out of the paradoxes mm-hmm. because you know it is you're already playing with time to begin with so once you start turning that upside down it can create situations that can allow for serious character driven moments and that's what we really wanted to do is we wanted a character driven science fiction piece where people would really fall in love with the characters and care about what happens to them yeah, I find myself drawn a lot more to the characters in these two episodes than I did before. I think um, I think that there are a lot more poignant, uh, quiet moments, especially in the lab, um, where it's like, oh, okay, I'm I'm beginning to figure out who this person is, and you know, I'm I'm beginning to, I'm beginning to to find elements of myself in them, or you know, elements of of characters that I'm drawn to in them. So I think it's working. Well, there's a big surprise that happens at the end of episode three, and then uh, throughout four, there's a few mm-hmm. surprises. So, but time is malleable, uh, both inside and outside of the lab, and back in France, 
at first glance, not so much. But, I mean, one of the big themes we were trying to get across was this idea of inevitability. So, like when Roz and Rucker go back in time, the second time to achieve, to succeed their mission this time, they go back to the same exact point, and things may happen slightly different, but in the end, it's the same things that happen. Maybe somebody else says a line of dialogue, but it is the same line of dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. And we have a lot of fun with that, with reinforcing the inevitability of it all. And there's a definite homage in there for Lost fans, of, mm-hmm. for Desmond and uh, Daniel Faraday fans in there that hopefully they'll enjoy and see in episode four. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I mean, we're getting some very positive response. We are submitting it to New York Comic Con for consideration for this fall to be uh, screened there with a, a Q&A with the cast and crew. And then we will be doing the same for LA Comic Con in the spring for uh, next year. It's too late for this year, obviously. And uh, we're going to be submitting it to competition. So, I mean, we're, we're eager to get the word out. Uh, we've already had 5,000 people watch it, which is a little shocking. <laughs> so uh, well, That's great. Yeah. Is there uh, anything that you think listeners should do in order to, if they want to help? Yeah, by all means, go over to epilogtheseries.com, and, you know, there's a share button. If you have a Facebook account, there's a share button for every episode. There's a Twitter share. Uh, By all means, share it. Share it with your friends. The last two episodes are August 12th, and uh, those hopefully are really going to be a surprise. And (laughs) that's what we're really trying for. And expect the unexpected, expectedly unexpected. Prequel to the sequel. And, um, you know, that's just the beginning. Hopefully after that we can really start spreading the word. Uh, it's available at YouTube. It's available at Vimeo. It's available at Blip TV. We're, our attitude is the more roads that lead to Rome, the better. But really the best place to go see it where you can see some behind-the-scenes stuff and you can look at bios on the characters is epilogtheseries.com. So The Dark Knight Rises premiered in theaters uh, Friday at... Um midnight Indeed. or Thursday, Thursday at midnight, Friday at midnight, however you care to look at it. And, uh, man, what a, what, what a slap across the face, you know, the, the news that came out of Colorado, what's the death toll now? What are we at? Is it 13, 14? I believe it's 13. I think okay. that little girl just passed away. Yeah. Um, I, I cannot even begin to imagine what that community is going through in regards to having a space that should be a safe space where we sit in the dark together we eat popcorn and licorice and we and we sip on sodas and we just open ourselves let to ourselves stories. get swept away let ourselves get swept away in a community of strangers in a theater mm-hmm. it's a really you, you do become a community all onto yourself when you go see a movie with other people and to have that innocence just bursted at the seams like that is horrendous. And I just, my heart really goes out to everybody. I think that, uh, I think the, the, the concern really is um, what's going to happen from here now. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing they're talking about theaters have to heighten security. I don't think that's right. I don't think security, heightening security has anything to do with it. This was a very sick man. A very, yeah. very sick man, and yeah. uh, you know, gun control wasn't going to take care of it. Listen, he may have got he got the guns legally, from what we know, but the tear gas—that's illegal. He got that mm-hmm. somewhere illegal. So you can't stop somebody from doing something if they really want to do it. You know, that's you know, I 
I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm basically just going to get that and get this out here. You know, you cannot like like you just like you just said. You know, someone who is intent on harming someone else, you can't you can't stop them. Um, you lost how many people on 9/11? 17. Yep, yep, 17 people that were either friends or alumni from my university. Yeah, there is no end to the human capacity to create ways of harming others. One of the things that you and I did did talk about. Uh, I think yesterday was was the importance of having having a license. I have I have a license. I think it's extremely important, but still at the same time, this guy was messed up, and there was nothing that would have prevented that. Yeah, but you know, I mean, you have to question what is this in regards to being a mirror on modern society. I mean, listen, you and I are two of the biggest geeks and nerds of science yeah. fiction and story and not just science fiction you and i can go on for hours about things like dexter for crying mm-hmm. out loud and you just heard mm-hmm. me raving about community okay and i love that stuff and i love thinking about it and i love how it inspires me or it makes me think but it's not me you yeah. know i i can see the very clean line between me and all of that story so why is the grip on reality slipping for people and because I mean, yes, this is the most extreme example. I mean, as soon as I read the article, I knew what the guy was trying to do before they'd even got him to admit that he was trying to be the Joker because it was a reenactment of the, of the bank heist from the, the second movie. Mm-hmm. And I knew that. But, you know, even at Comic-Con with the cosplay, and I think the cosplay is fantastic, but I have been to enough conventions around the country and I've been to Renaissance fairs and whatnot where I do see people slip. They use... The costume is an excuse to do things that, not, I'm not going to say inappropriate, because inappropriate is very much a subject, subjective term, but I've seen people do things that, no matter what, would not be right to do, um, to hurt people, injure people, whatnot. Why is there that slip going on in reality? And conversely, you know, if you look at it, we're feeding that machine yeah. before. There is more ways to be fed so that you can slip out of reality, and I... I just wonder what's going on that we can't keep a grip. One of the interviews that I saw was with um, an actor named uh, Phil Morris, who has been in, I mean, Seinfeld and Star Trek and uh, just just one of my favorite actors. He said, you know, when a when a piece of entertainment sucks you in to the point where it destroys your individuality, that is a serious problem. But when a piece of entertainment enables you to enhance your individuality, to become something more, that is an amazing thing as well. So it really comes down to the individual, you know, mm-hmm. and to, I mean, I, I know people that don't, that don't leave their houses, you know, that, that, are, that are essentially Borg drones. that are plugged into their computers and that's all they do. And you know, the, the, this guy needed help. You know, and I hope he gets it. I hope Perhaps he gets it. Perhaps that's the real lesson here, and I got to give kudos to my daughter for pointing this out. Is that the real mm. lesson is that the stigma uh, on uh, mental health issues has really got to change. Uh, I mean, people have mental health issues. Some of it is biochemical. Sometimes it's not, but certainly there are plenty of people where it is biochemical. Especially when you start thinking about all the crap we eat these days. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the insurance companies turn their backs on it. Companies, people turn their backs on it because they don't understand it. We ignore the signs of mental health issues, and mental health mm-hmm. issues are just as serious as physical health issues. And, in fact, they are physical health issues. 
So, it's really easy to say, you know what, I hope this guy ends up dead. You know, he, he deserves to be dead. You know, we, we should, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, there are others out there that are, you know, that are like him that haven't been discovered and they deserve to be treated. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, trying to trying to help before they snap. Well, that's where getting rid of that stigma would help if, you know, so that somebody who if they need help, they're not afraid to ask. Mm hmm. Because mm-hmm. most yeah. people really are afraid to ask. I, I think it really boils down to that. It's just being afraid to ask and being afraid to help. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I uh, again, heart goes out to the people in Aurora. I think uh, Chris Nolan's statement was just pitch perfect about uh, how, you know, television and film, these truly are the great American art forms. And um, I also feel for everybody on, uh, who worked on The Dark Knight Rises because it's misplaced logic, but it just is what it is. They are feeling guilt over what's yeah. happened. You, you can't, it's not logical, but it just is. So, um, you know, I mean, for instance, I mean, with Epilogue, you know, it's time travel. And there were two girls a couple of months ago who in China somehow tried to do time travel and ended up killing themselves. Now, if that was to happen because of epilogue, no, it wouldn't be logical, but it would still break my heart. So I feel sorry. It would get to you. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, I feel sorry for Chris Nolan. I feel sorry for Anne Hathaway, Christian Bale. Um, And they feel, I'm sure they feel helpless. They don't know how to help. They don't know how to make it better. And uh, I I just don't know. I feel, for Colorado, I just feel terrible. Let's see how this uh, story develops. Definitely our hearts go out to them. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think it'd be worth mentioning uh, Airlock Alpha has put up a fantastic piece, tribute, to the people whose lives were lost. Um, and Yeah, uh, Michael wrote a great story. I'll be, I'll be linking to that as well as uh, to Nolan's statement in yeah. the uh, show notes. You'll be able to find all those details there. Yeah, it's a fantastic piece, and people should read it and remember those folks that lost their lives that day. Absolutely. Yes, we are living in strange times, but, you know, if you think about it, when aren't we? I think mm-hmm. it's just that with the media going on, uh, the world is getting smaller. 24-7 mm-hmm. news, things are happening faster, people are sleeping less, there's more to do, there's more to get done. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's a, an intense time, and we are struggling to learn how to balance ourselves. Mm-hmm. I want to open the mailbag a little bit earlier than usual. They've, we've got uh, some pieces of mail that are uh, I'd like to use to spur some talking points. Hey, this is Ivan from Chicago. Um, recently, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with um, Falling Skies on TNT, but in a recent episode, there was a uh, container full of the harness, uh, I guess we call them harness, kind of the squid sitting in, in a liquid container. And it was eerily rem- reminded me of the gold containers in Stargate with all the gold swimming in it. And I was wondering, you know, as a kind of as an idea of, is, did they get that from Stargate, or did Stargate get it from somewhere else, and they also got it from them? If you guys wanted to uh, look in on that. Diana, have you watched Falling Skies? You know, I watched the pilot, shut it off halfway through, saying, "I've seen, me too. It, all, I've seen it all before. It's been done before." And 
I have friends who have watched it through season two, and they've said the same thing, and they've turned it off now. I, I, I'm hearing people saying that um, if you if you didn't like it at the beginning, to, to give it a second chance, because the directions that they're taking it are really starting to get interesting. Because I, all I saw was the first 30 minutes of it, and I didn't like that I was thrown right into the midst of it. I wanted to get some you know, origin stuff happening to, to get me immersed with it because I didn't care about what was going on. I didn't care about what was happening to the characters. You know, we were in the middle of watching Lost, Tammy and Carl and I, and Tammy and Carl were really looking forward to seeing Falling Skies and a half an hour into the premiere, we're like, okay, let's get back to Lost now. And that's what, <laughs> that's what they did. So um, it was really funny. <laughs> so, uh, but it is, it is a show that I went on uh to to have an, another look at just not anytime soon i want to get to fringe sooner as soon as fringe is off the air i'm going to be watching that from the very beginning like i promised to my buddy uh, but to the the root of the question i i wouldn't be surprised if there was some inspiration for the gould um but yeah i mean there's there's really no way to tell yeah I, but you know the gould aren't that original that comes from plenty of golden age science fiction books yeah. um you know it's 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 a trope it's a trope, yeah. and yes, I mean, there's some similarities between what I've read, because I've read the Wikipedia entries for Falling Skies. Um, there are definitely some similarities, but it's I don't think it, the Gould are that original. They're cool, but yeah. I mean, the Gould, in a certain sense, are a knockoff of the symbiotes from Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah, to a, to a great extent, yeah, I think so, too. Uh, hello, my name is Dean uh, from Vancouver, B.C. One thing about sci-fi is that, uh, uh, I guess with your latest podcast, you spoke about science um, and uh, people uh, going into science and relating that to sci-fi. Um, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's a strong uh, incentive, um, you know, to go into science, and it's, it's a way that people that love science can, um, can enjoy their uh, uh, their imagination. So, but another side of it is that, um, in a way, science fiction, uh, at least for me, has been a way uh, to look at exploring humanity as well, um, not just the the hard science fiction or the high sci-fi concepts. The other thing that occurred, I guess, uh, and that's been brought up before, is that TV or television shows um, help people to. Uh, adjust to new social ideas um you know it helps break taboos you know for example if you have um like on stargate if you have uh, a general that's um uh, that's not caucasian that's if you have a general from africa or african-american general or an african-american president on television that helps people get used to the idea of seeing that in in real life and i guess this is the last thing um I did uh, catch the epilogue episodes, and um, it was excellent, and I think that, um, that you guys deserve a lot of credit for what you've produced. Uh, and I, I was thinking if, if there was a way to make an online contribution to future episodes, um, I was wondering if that was available or if, if that was uh, something you were considering. So let's, let's start from the beginning here. You know, that Dean makes a lot of interesting points here. I... I myself, you know, as much science fiction as I have watched, 
it's never been like a career motivator for me, but I have always been interested. It's, it's always made me want to go and ask why, why, why does this work? How does that work? You know, I'm always reading Wikipedia articles, you know, trying to figure out in it's, it's always fueled my, my curiosity. You know, when I see something on, on Voyager or when I, when I watch something on Stargate, it's like, oh, where did they, how much of that is real? You know, and I'll go online and, I mean, the, the God particle, the Higgs boson, you know, that's, that's all fascinating stuff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, listen, if, if, even if you're not going to want to go into the sciences, and there are people who have, I mean, I can, uh, for instance, Dr. John Brandenburg, he is a uh, rocket scientist at NASA, and he's there because of Star Trek. When he's a little boy, he watched Star Trek, you know? Yeah. And there's, all, there's tons of people like that. I'm working with... A lot with, of uh, people will say that Star Trek inspired them when they were younger. Absolutely. I am working now with a, um, another rocket scientist at Missouri, uh, Missouri uh, State Technology School, MST, on developing another web series for a National Science Foundation grant. Uh, with this very intent of getting people, young people, inspired to pursue the sciences by uh, giving them compelling characters that they want to, that they look at as role models. But you know what? Even if you don't want to go into the sciences, the beauty of science fiction is that perhaps it will help inspire you to want to contribute to the sciences either by uh, recognizing that a minuscule part of your tax dollar goes to NASA um, makes you want to go to, uh, for instance, the Intrepid now and see the Enterprise shuttle now that it's been installed on the deck, the first shuttle. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, help the sciences in one form or fashion or another. And, I mean, we are definitely lagging behind in the sciences area. So anything that can be done to inspire science is, is a good thing. And sci-fi definitely does that unequivocally. Yeah, Dean's had a couple of other points we made. Uh, TV helps people to adjust to new social ideas. You know, I'll never forget uh, watching uh, the DS9 episode Rejoined uh, with uh, the symbionts. And, I mean, even my my father was not a, a, a big DS9 watcher at the time. But, I mean, he read about what people were saying. And he's like, and he even knew they're... They're trill, you know. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. and look as far back as Nichelle Nichols and William Shatner and Bread. I think it was, um, was it Bread and Circuses? Was that the one? Uh, yes. No, no, no. Was it? Yes, it was Bread and Circuses. Plato's yes. stepchildren. Actually, you're uh, right. It was Plato's stepchildren. Okay. I'm, yes. I'm, yeah. Big deal for people when that came out, and mm-hmm. uh, but it was great. It mm-hmm. was absolutely great. And, uh, yeah, I mean, but you need those things. We need to be com- comfortable with them. Ryan Murphy's got a new show coming out this fall called The New Normal. Uh, and Martin Family also has one of their couples is uh, two homosexual guys. I mean, this is the, the current wave of things that we're having to go through to explore and see it played out in front of our eyes in order to become comfortable with it. And if that's what it mm-hmm. takes. Again, you know, storytelling is terrific for that, as he points out. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested in hearing uh, voicemail from people regarding their thoughts on all of this. Um, and the last thing Dean wanted to mention was uh, he thought Epilogue was excellent, and he wants to know if there's any way to make an online contribution to future episodes. Well, first off, Dean, thank you. It means a lot, actually, to get that kind of compliment from you. So thank you very much. We're actually going to be setting up uh, sometime in the next few weeks a Contribute Now button 
to help the production fund at Missouri State University where these were produced for future episodes either of Epilogue or for one of the other web series that we are right now in the development spinning process on. So thanks for asking and, uh, you know, look for that button when it pops up. Um, has the administration there ha gotten enough uh, feedback that they've basically given you guys a green light on a future project? Well, they're certainly wanting to do future projects. We right okay. now need to recover over, and we're not even done yet. We got two episodes still in post production, yeah. and it's very intense post production, and because <laughs> it's a sci-fi series, you know, and yeah. there's some effects coming in uh, <laughs> episode six that are. Matt's going to break a couple of rules. Let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> there's definitely going to be some rule breaking going on, uh, but I mean. I am talking with some of the other writer-producers about what season two would entail. Uh, I don't want to give anything away in particular right. because no one's seen the end of season one yet. But we are, I mean, I have in my mind, idealistically, if we could do a season two, I know exactly what would happen. Exactly what would happen. And um, let's just put it this way. There'd be a bit of a hunt. That's cool. Mm -hmm. All right. And one more uh, piece of mail is from Anthony. This is Anthony from New Hampshire calling. Just finished watching the Stargate Atlantis series, one of the best series I have ever seen on television. And I feel that with no Stargates on anymore, science fiction is just kind of dead in the water right now. I mean, still great shows on, but nothing like Stargate. And I think someone needs to do something to get this back up online. You know, Brad Wright and... Robert Cooper, whatever his name is, definitely need to get back together with whoever it was that helped create this show and make it awesome. All the shows, put it back together. Get something out there. Thanks for that, Anthony. You know, there are some episodes of SGA where I'll just go back and they, they suck me right in. You know, I think we, we mentioned um, Before I Sleep a while ago. Mm -hmm. another, another, another one of them that I love is Michael... Sunday, I think, is still one of the greatest hours of Atlantis that the that they ever created. And you know, I mean, you've got uh, you've got uh, the Shrine, and you know, another one that I that I thoroughly enjoy is Daedalus Variations. I don't, I I think that um, I I think that there's a you know, this is this is a great time to be jumping on board to the Atlantis rewatch. I think we're gonna we're in season two right now. We're gonna bring you to go into season three in August. So yeah. definitely yeah. participate with Gateworld for that. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, I think he speaks to something even more important, um, and that is that there's no there's no spaceship shows right now and None. it's making me crazy. Yeah. You know, in fact, this is part of why I am so fond of the project that you're working on, the Thomas Trilogy, because it's in space and it's spaceships. So it's like the next best thing that I can get without there being a show to watch with spaceships. And, you know, is the, I think the big question is, is this uh, symbolic of what's going on in reality? Is art imitating life right now? Because we have no shuttle program right now. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few years here. Well, to um, loop back to loop back to Comic Con, you were at Comic Con, and you saw any of the new science fiction stuff that's coming out. I don't think there was anything that was space driven, was there? Nothing that I noticed. Mm. No, yeah. I didn't specifically have my my eyes and ears peeled for it. But if something was there, I would have seen it. And uh, all of my nerd friends would have told me, hey, you got to go over to this booth. you got to see what's coming in. There was nothing like that, you know? 
two years ago or two or three years ago, I went and saw V at uh, the the premiere, uh, and that was that was just exciting. And you know, it, it unfortunately didn't really catch on. I watched that series to its conclusion, but there's no space opera right now. And if ThomasTrilogy.com is the only way to get it, then by all means, go and check it out because yeah, it's fun. The first three chapters are out, and I'm beginning to work on chapter four this week. Yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. I really, I mean, it is really the next best thing. And it's funny how I didn't even really put two and two together until uh, I think I made the comment last night. Yeah, you made a comment, and I was like, oh. You know, that's what the deal is for me because at least this way I can pretend, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm watching. I mean, the science fiction shows that are coming, I mean, with Defiance looks great. And, you know, I mean, it's from the Alienation Farscape guys, so I'm sure it's going to be very good. But it's going to have a lot of green screen. I'm a little skeptical about some of the stuff I've seen. I am fascinated about the gaming component to it. Mm-hmm. There also there's supposed to be talk of a time travel series, but I don't think there was anything unveiled about that. Um, I don't think there was anything unveiled about that at Comic Con. I don't think so either. No, and the two other sci-fi series that, in fact, uh, their season premieres are tonight, Monday night, Warehouse 13 and Alphas. Fun shows, absolutely. But they are not space-based. They are very much based in reality and now. And that is great, and it has its place, but so does the space stuff. We have to look to the future. We have to look ahead. We have to look to what's over the next mountain. It just makes me so mad that virtuality didn't get a a space for itself carved out on TV, because I would have loved to have followed that. That pilot was so... That had so much promise. Yeah, it was a great pilot, and... um, I am sort of supplied, I mean, we don't know what really happened, but I would have expected um, Rondi Moore to try selling that somewhere else if he could, unless Fox had some sort of exclusivity on it for several mm-hmm. amount of years. And they, you know, the, the studios have been known to do stuff like that. Just sit on it? Yeah. Just sit on it and ruin it, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. think about all the shows that got one season and got canned, and they were great shows. It's just they were put in the wrong place, so they didn't do well enough in the ratings. So, we'll see what happens. I'm sure that another space-based, you know, series will be coming along. It just may be later rather than sooner. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, though, like you and I were talking about yesterday, I think it's time to, you know, pop out the Stargate Atlantis DVDs and watch some more SGA. We're up to season two on GateWorld and maybe even go back and visit the early seasons of uh, SG-1. And then mm-hmm. there's always Universe. There is indeed. It doesn't get more space based than Stargate Universe. No, no. Are they gonna do? Are they gonna do a Blu-ray on that? Or uh, I don't believe that that it sold well enough. Oh, boo hiss. Which really dis- disappoints me. I mean, because uh, I would love to own a complete compilation of all seventeen seasons on Blu-ray. That would be sweet. There's chatter for an SG One on Blu-ray. I haven't seen it yet. Obviously, Stargate Atlantis is on Blu-ray. I'm not expecting a universe on Blu-ray. At least the complete series. I'm I'm really not. So. We'll see what happens. Yep, absolutely. In the meantime, that's what DVDs are for and the Thomas Trilogy and books. (laughs) And there's always novels. Use your head. It's one of the things I've learned. If you aren't getting enough of the entertainment you want, make your own. (laughs) Exactly. Well, again, great job on Epilogue Episodes 3 and 4. And August 12th will uh, will be the conclusion to this series. Uh, we are going to now discuss uh, Prometheus, so if you want to stick around, fine. It's going to be a spoiler-filled discussion. I really don't recommend... If, if you have any interest in seeing the movie and you haven't done it yet, I really recommend you stopping now. 
So let's get on into it. Yes, Prometheus. I gotta tell you, I went in to this series, to this movie, with, exp- with I mean, a lot of baggage. I was expecting a film that would end with LV-426, where, it, where Alien began. And that's not what this movie is. Uh, and it took it took a second viewing to discover that that's not even supposed to be the same ship, the one that's that's crashed on on the planet. You know, if if you look at the star system, it's an LV like three seven something. It's a completely different planet intentionally. Yes. Um, and once I realized that, once I internalized that and processed that and saw the film a second time, I enjoyed it so much more. And also researching Lawrence of Arabia and, you know, using that to help shine a spotlight on David's motivations. Because one of the big things that I've been repeatedly seeing people comment on is, why is he doing what he's doing? It makes no sense. I don't understand. If you connect him with the main character in Lawrence of Arabia, there's so much more traction. Oh, absolutely. But I think the real telling point's going to be when the, the director's cut comes out. You're pretty confident about that, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Ridley Scott is notorious for um, his releases being really, really good, but you see the director's cut and you're like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Um, In fact, I mean, there's already been articles online that have talked about how the speech between the alien and our our robot talking, that it's actually a five-minute speech in the director's cut. Hmm. And not just one line like it is in the producer's cut, which was released. I mean, I think my biggest problem with the thing, because I already knew everything you had concerns about. I knew Lawrence of Arabia. I knew it was another planet when I walked into the whole thing. Mm -hmm. My problem was is that if you look at Aliens 1 and 2, they were very, even though, yes, 2 is a big budget and really crazy, 1 and 2 were very character-driven stories. And yeah. this was, there were too many characters. I was kept at arm's length. There were too many plots and subplots, like the whole thing about him, David, being able to uh, read um, the guy's thoughts, you know, his dream, going to his dreams when he was in the, the casket. Yeah. There were all these little breadcrumbs that were dropped and nothing was picked up. And it was so many breadcrumbs that it got in the way of getting me close to the character. The script is all over the place. No matter how, no matter how you want to slice it, it's, it's really, really convoluted. And, um, I think that's one of the reasons that it has stirred so much discussion is that a month, a month and a half after the, the, the film's release, people are still trying to figure the hell out. (laughs) But you know, historically speaking, I mean, 2001 had the same effect on people when it came out. Really? Uh, yeah, most people walked away from the movie saying, I don't get the ending. And um, I got it, and so I don't understand. That also had a book to live up to. No, it had a short story to, to live up to. Okay. Yes, The Sentinel. In this particular case, I mean, I have to be honest, you know I'm not a J.J. Abrams fan, and in fact, that's why I did not see Lost until... You pushed me into it. I'm glad you did. Don't get me wrong. And I shoved. Shoved. <laughs> yes, it was you and one of my critique partners, Jen Brooks, who pushed me into it. But uh, And I don't regret it. But the reason why I had avoided it, and the reason why I don't like J.J. Abrams in general, is that I feel that he and his cohorts very much believe in the, the theory of just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And it's okay if we just throw a bunch of crazy ideas into the story and... 
will somehow just tie it up with a yellow ribbon at the end. And I have a real problem with that. It's why I don't like fringe. Um, it's why um, I'm not so certain about this new series of his that's coming out. I just don't see it having legs. It's why I, I don't either. I, yeah, I, don't, I, I didn't really like the Star Trek, new Star Trek movie. I'm sorry. And I love Star Trek with an absolute passion, but not that movie. I didn't hate it. I just didn't love it. It just didn't do anything for me. Uh, it's a lot of fun moments with people mimic mimicking much-loved characters. That's how I saw that movie. It just didn't resonate with me. So, I mean, I have a problem with Abrams, and I had thought that uh, Damon Lindelof had learned during his lost tenure how to really write a character-driven story. But, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess we have to see, we're going to have to see the director's cut to really make a final decision on the film. Well, if um, if Ridley Scott is intent on on pushing one out, I will be more than happy to get it. I've just I've just been looking at Amazon, and I don't see any sign of a director's cut yet. So um, we'll have to we'll have to see what happens. The film to me seemed like it was it was going in a lot of different directions with a lot of different ideas, and I mean, my friends and I we we left the theater and we were really in a heated discussion. I I mean about with the alien at the end and you know. How does it connect to the other aliens, and what is this goo? And you know, I, you know. Then there's the the uh, the little rumor floating around that apparently is true to an extent that that Christ was a was an engineer, and that that you know Ridley Scott didn't want to pursue that, you know, because they're saying that 2,000 years ago, you know, the engineers decided to come attack Earth, and he said that you know had they went that way, it'd have been a little too on the nose. It's just, again, it's going back to, it's just kind of all over the place. And I hope that the film did well enough uh, to do a, a sequel, to answer some of those questions that they didn't even bother answering in the movie when they posed them. But I just don't know, man. I don't know if it's going to, if it's going to do well enough. Yeah, you see, I didn't, I didn't see the, the Jesus angle when I watched it. It was only afterwards when people were theorizing that I got that, but you know, that's, that's part of our upbringing. I mean, is you know, you were you were brought up Christian. I was not, so my mind goes to mythology first. And uh, you know, I thought a lot about Eric von Donneken, of course, and Chariot of the Gods, and cargo cults, and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I don't know. I just why I think the question that I have when that guy did that, when he drank that stuff and he fell apart and he you know became part of the water and all that and. His bacterium. Oh, it's Prometheus. He's seeding life. Right. I understand, and it's it's all I could keep thinking is why is he doing that? That to me, I saw him as a different generation of beings compared to the one that we saw on LV, whatever the hell it was. Um, I really, I really took them to be two completely different generations of engineers. Um, maybe not, but that's the only thing that adds up. Uh, doesn't add up for me. I just had a real problem with motivations. I will say one thing. I have one theory. Um, oh, what's her name? The blonde gal. Uh, not Cameron Diaz. Who's Charlize Theron? Thank you. Okay. Sure. Char- <laughs> I do have a theory, and that is that Charlize Theron's character is also a android. Yeah, they uh, they definitely um, uh, they asked they asked that question. You know when. Uh, captain says are you a robot <laughs> yeah they don't reveal the answer no they don't they don't and but they certainly did set themselves up for a sequel of sorts mm-hmm. you know uh 
Whether or not that'll happen, I don't know. The funding for it has not, I mean, the, the, the box office has not been great for it, not in comparison to well, Avengers and Dark Knight the, Rises. Yeah, well, the, the budget for the movie was 130, and it looks like the box office is currently 299, so it's possible. We'll see. But I think if it did come back, I think the box the budget would be significantly curtailed. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely. We'll see what happens. I mean, it was worth it. I want to go see it again. I definitely would like to go see it a second time. Um, or the second time was so much more fulfilling. Yeah, or I might just wait for the director's cut, which is more likely. Um, yeah. You know, I might wait for that. Um, I mean, conversely, you know, I went and saw Avengers three times, and I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm really not. It was a treat, and I still want to buy the DVD, the, the Blu-ray, rather, with 3D, because I have 3D glasses for the TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Avengers once in theaters in standard definition, and it, it met my expectations. It just doesn't titillate me like it does, you know, many of my friends. Uh, I, I only have so much bandwidth for, for, for comic book movies. You know, I remember seeing The Dark Knight, I, the second one, and looking at my watch at the two-hour mark and saying, oh my god, I cannot believe this thing isn't over yet. And just being bored to tears that it wasn't It's like, I'm done with this movie already. I want to leave this movie. And it just didn't suck me in to where it was like, give me more, give me more, give me more. I didn't have that reaction at all. And I'm afraid that this movie is going to be very similar. <laughs> Which movie is that? Dar- the Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. Rises. Well, yeah. I mean, we're in Prometheus post-spoilers, and I mean, I could, I'm, I'm not going to spoil Dark Knight Rises because I haven't seen it, but I can tell you that some of uh, my students who are working on Epilogue saw it, and uh, they're not over-thrilled about it. They're not that excited about it. Yeah. So, yeah. in fact, they, so one of my composer was incredibly disappointed by it. Really? Yeah. I, saw, I, I read a lot of comments from my friends who, you know, they, they knee-jerk posted as soon as they got out of the movie. Woohoo! And then a couple of days later, they're posting back, and they're like, you know what? I'm thinking back on the movie, and it was good, but it wasn't amazing. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see. I wouldn't uh, be surprised if Bruce Wayne bites the dust in it, considering it's a defined uh, sp- a trilogy. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I still, I mean, for me, the greatest thing that Nolan has done is Inception. Yes. Really. Completely agreed. And um, right now, it is still the best science. It's the latest great science fiction movie. There has been no science fiction movie that's come out since Inception that was as great or better than Inception. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, Prometheus is gr- is good, but I don't think it was Inception. Mm-hmm. So. so Source Code was was good too with with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I think it's called Source Code, yeah. but it was by no means an Inception. I am looking forward to Looper. Which yes. Is time travel, and it's yes. got you know Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, Bruce yeah. Willis, so it should be good. The kid is just attached to anything that works, you know. I mean, he, just one one great film after another. Never would have thought that this long-haired boy from Third Rock from the Sun would have been doing this, but man, he's good. Uh, he is. He absolutely is. He's a treat. I mean, I'll never forget him spinning in the elevator in Inception. Well, if you're still with us, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back with another episode shortly. And uh, anything else from you, Diana? No, just thank you for listening. And uh, go watch some Stargate Atlantis and have fun. And don't forget, epilogtheseries.com. If you haven't seen the episodes to date, there's four online. And there's two coming, the finale on August 12th. There you go. Thanks for tuning in to the Gate World Podcast. My name is David. My name's Diana. And we'll be talking to you soon.